You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 173, Angel Jones and the Power of Connection. Love podcasts? You'll love Podcast Magazine, taking readers into the lives of today's leading podcasters and beyond the microphone of the show's fans love. Each month, Podcast Magazine's dedicated writers share personal interviews, industry happenings, exclusive categorical charts, and independent ratings and reviews of under-the-radar shows. If you listen to podcasts, subscribe now at podcastmagazine.com and grab a free lifetime subscription while you can. That's podcastmagazine.com. Welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I love this episode. And before I get into that, I just want to tell you about one thing. So first of all, yeah, I just played a commercial and I haven't ever done that before, but I'll tell you why we played that commercial because my uh, I have, have the tremendous privilege and opportunity to be the category director of the religion and spirituality category for Podcast Magazine. I've finished up my writing, um, featured uh, one of our previous guests, Misty Phillip, uh, in that, and uh, some other people who've, uh, who I'm familiar with. Um, and I want you to go check it out. So we, they gave us this commercial to toss in our shows, and so I played it for you. Um, it's free. Right now, it's free. And here's the thing. Uh, some of the people that Steve is interviewing for his uh, feature articles are really amazing, like top-notch, top 10 podcasters, way, way up there, um, including one. I think the next one is going to be somebody that, you're go- that you know, um, that you that is a, a believer, um, may be in Tennessee, I'll say, and I can't say anything else about it. That's it. That's all, all, all I can say. Um, I don't, in fact, I don't even know if I'm allowed to like say anything, so I'm kind of going on a limb here. Uh, all I'm saying is it's like seriously the people that he's getting to to interview and sign on for podcast magazine um, are really top notch. It's going to be super cool. And I get to write for it too. So I would love to have you on board. If you want to just go to podcast magazine and sign up, it's free lifetime subscription for free. We would sure appreciate that. Here's the thing. It's not just, um, you know, about podcasting. It's the story behind podcasting. So you want to hear some of that, uh, you know, about how people got started, why they like it, all that kind of thing. Um, you should definitely sign up. Okay. So go, go ahead and do that today. Our guest, he's a podcaster and he might be the best networker you've ever seen. He kind of has to be because his podcast is all about 12 minute conversations and he's done 2,460 of them. He may have more in the works. I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. So last year, he and his wife traveled throughout the continental United States. Can't wait to hear about that. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be on this show almost 1,000 episodes ago or so. Our guest is Angel Jones. Angel, welcome to Halfway There. Well, I am excited. Uh, halfway there. Definitely love the name of this podcast, Eric. It was such a great pleasure to meet you face to face and uh, know that you are a real person as well as your heart. I mean, I could see your heart uh, through the vocals of our conversation when we did speak, uh, but getting to see you and see your smile and hear you uh, was really, really a fascinating opportunity. So thanks for coming out in Colorado as well. Yeah, thank you. We got to meet at Red Rocks Theater, which is a, or Red Rocks in the park there, which is around the theater that uh, most people know, um, which is really fun. It's a beautiful place to be and just kind of hang out a little bit. Yeah, it was definitely great uh, having a 12-minute conversation face to face. Yeah, that was cool. What inspired that whole thing? Because that was a crazy trip you guys took. Did you go to every state? I can't remember if you hit every state or you like went all over. 
Yeah, so uh, I did, uh, but saying I without uh, including my wife, uh, who was there with me and supporting me through the yes. entire process is necessary. So we did that. Uh, we did the 48 states and Canada. Can't forget the Canadians. Yes, we were able <laughs> well. to get in there. Uh, on the eastern side of Canada, Montreal, Toronto, and then the western side, uh, BC, uh, Vancouver, and uh, and then uh, come back into the U.S. twice. So it was really, really a fun experience. And of course, with fun comes challenges. So that was in there as well. Uh, but yes, my friend, we were actually able to do it. We interviewed 349 uh, people. Uh, some were past podcast guests. Some were friends of past podcast guests. So face-to-face. And what we did, we did that on Facebook live. And uh, then we archived it on YouTube. So those conversations are there. But what was really great as well, Eric, is I got to speak with uh, some people and interview them uh, off camera. You know, there are some spouses that didn't want to be on camera but wanted the questions asked of them. So I did have that opportunity. Very cool. Very cool. Well, that's pretty fun. I didn't I didn't know that you had done um, had done additional interviews and then also um, were were able to just that you had archived those. So I got to figure out. I got to go find those. I'll put those a, a link to that yeah. in yeah. the. Yeah, go to YouTube. You could go to YouTube and probably like just type in twelve minute convos. Yeah, uh, one two M I N convos, and then Eric Nevin and uh, you definitely Eric Nevins. My apologies, and then you'll see that in there. Perfect. Yep, there it is. All right. Well, cool, friends. You guys can do that too. And I'll throw a link, as always, in the show notes at halfwaytherepodcast.com. All right. Well, I want to hear more about your story, brother, because it's uh, it's fascinating. And uh, I'm guessing it is. I, I can't wait to hear it. So um, you are f- from Trinidad and Tobago. Right. And it's Tobago by the, by the Tobago. Yeah, yeah. Tobago. Okay. I'm, I've just revealed my Americanness, aren't I? Didn't I? <laughs> yeah. I just kind of assume how I, how you say it. Uh, but I've never been there. So you'll have to have me come like visit all, visit your, your town. So that would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just to put things into perspective as well, like driving uh, from one side of my country, which is Trinidad. So it's a twin island, Trinidad and Tobago. Tobago is separate. Gotcha. Okay. Right. So, but Trinidad specifically, the larger of the two, it probably would take two hours to get from one side of the island to the next. Okay. Right. So, driving so, across America was, whew, what an experience, right? <laughs> it's quite a bit different, isn't it? Just any one of our states is probably bigger, most of them maybe bigger than Trinidad. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. That would be an experience. But yeah. Okay. Well, I'm looking at a map. So, you know, to be honest, I I was pretty good in geography as a kid, but haven't looked at this in a long time. So, Trinidad is just right off the coast of Venezuela. Yes, east of Venezuela, uh, the most southern island in that archipelago, right, with the Lesser Antilles and the Greater Antilles. So, very cool. Like you're coming around that semicircle from Jamaica, uh, and you're coming down Haiti, Dominica, and. Barbados is east of us. So Barbados is the most eastern island and we're south. Is a southern. Island. Okay, cool. Southern well, it's helpful because I think most of us, at least I grew up in Iowa, right? So middle of the country, there's just a bunch of islands down there that I can't remember the, the names of all of them. So that's yeah, helpful. Sure, sure. But we'll get you down here. Definitely. I can't wait. To the south. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Okay. So uh, what's it like in Trinidad? What was it like growing up there? So we grew up in an extended family model where my grandmother lived on the first floor and my father and his family, which at that time was two boys, later to be two boys and one girl, uh, just 12 years after the second, my brother. Uh, so it was three of us and we lived to the second level, like the well, the first level then, right? And then the second, oh, I always get tied up with that. So the first level is really on top, right? And But it's not a basement. It's just like the ground level then. Let's do ground level, right, Eric? Okay, all right. <laughs> so, so we lived at the ground level and my grandparents lived on the first level. And then right next to that property was another property where my aunt and uh, her husband lived. And then right after that was another aunt and her husband. And then at times, now that I look back at it, it it's probably 
transitional times that happened in my aunt's uh, times uh, or uncles where they would be at home, right? So they moved back in. So just to say that there was always community surrounding me where I lived because my aunts had children. So at any one time, we would have anywhere between six to eight cousins uh, amongst this uh, property where everyone is growing and playing and doing crazy things that children shouldn't be doing right? uh, in, in, in the midst of that. So I grew up specifically there. And the, I call where I live country compared to the where the city part of our island is. So we grew up in the country part. And uh, that went with cricket. So cricket is big. We call soccer football here. Uh-huh. So football, playing sports, being active was always a major part of our lives uh, growing up. Very cool. So I'm really curious about that. What did you learn from having this sort of really communal life? Timing, uh, <laughs> how necessary it is to be strong, right? Uh-huh. And one of the biggest uh, takeaways for me within that was the drive for my competitiveness. So I had mm. two older cousins than me, and then they were like about again the ages would mix according to what's happening, right? What season we're in, uh, but with younger cousins than myself, the skill sets that were required for any sport would mean uh, you th- that there was something identifiable. And of course, hindsight is forty forty for those listening, right? So when I'm speaking, it's not like I knew this when I was that age, right? It's only now looking back, I can see this. But uh, skill set is good. Talent is good. Being able to work, being able to be dedicated is something I've found is key to achieving oh, yeah. whatever your specific thing is that you're, you're shooting after. So I learned that. Again, in hindsight, I learned that, right? And of course, the power of community. We were confident because within our space that we grew up in, uh, when we were moving, when we were going to the playground, we were always moving as uh, a community, right? There's always Mm -hmm. a group of us. And that in itself as well, I believe, helps confidence. Yeah, very interesting. So it sounds like within the community, internally, there might be some competition to challenge each other to be better. But then the community also stands as its own entity in to facing the outside. Right. So that you're able to, to be together and you're not alone, um, you know, outside to the outside world. Right. Yeah. It's like a habitat, right? Yeah. Of yeah. Course, like I haven't even touched into the parents. So the parents have their thing going on as well. Right. Uh, in terms of what they're doing, where they're working, what they're achieving, how they build. And then there's the grandparents, which is a really cool model as well. To experience mm. where the grandparents are in there with their wisdom, you know, guiding uh, everyone while allowing them to remain independent. But there's just so much learning that's going on as well as uh, something that has helped me with my conversations on the podcast, be able to speak to different people in different places where they are at that space in their time of age and, and be relatable because of those uh, timelines that I'm speaking with as I'm growing up. Yeah, yeah very interesting. Uh, that's definitely a different model than I think most of us in the United States have because we're, you know, like I live 600 miles away from my family. And so my kids only get to see their cousins twice a year. Um, so that's definitely, there's some advantages in there. And I saw that, you know, I saw that I saw, and, uh, of course I'm coming there and it's culture shock. Yeah. I've been there before, but I never had the opportunity to really drill in and, um, and really be able to experience and bounce shoulders with other individuals from a social perspective and understand what's happening, what are the things happening and why. And uh, I think I only saw like one, there was only one family I think we visited and her uh, her great aunt lived probably just like a stone throw away from where she lived. So it was a combined living model. There's a house not too far, you know, just a, a, a walkway away 
And uh, that, that I only saw that one place. And well, her mother lived with her, but her mother passed. But her mother lived with her, and they had a dwelling space for her attached to the house. But I only saw that one place I visited, one home I visited. Yeah. Yeah, I know of a friend who had it growing up. He bought the house next door to his parents, and they they live. Yeah. So it happens, but it's it's the exception, definitely not the rule. Interesting. Okay, so I'm curious also about the spiritual climate. So what was it like spiritually growing up? So my parents uh, grew up in church. My mother. Let's let's dial into my mother. So my mother's walk with God, her experience with Jesus, occurred very young. Within a family, um, again, an extended family, my mother was born in Venezuela. And when she was at, like two years, uh, she, was, she came across to Trinidad. Her mother uh, was Trinidadian. Uh, she's no longer with us, my grandmother. And her father as well uh, was Trinidadian, but he lived in Venezuela. Uh, but she came across and her encounter with Jesus, a story on her own as well, right? But... I think she was always the anchor of my family model uh, for Christianity. So we grew up going to church every Sunday. There was no negotiations. Yeah, (laughs) right. Church was part of who we were going to be. And my mother as well is a gospel singer. So uh, she didn't just appear in church, she also contributed to what the service would be. So we had that. And uh, again, she was the anchor of uh, our Christianity. And then there's my father. So my father is the guy now who comes into Christianity uh, through my mother. And not that he was not in Christianity, but it was a light thing. It wasn't something he was fully into. Uh, until he met my mother and he had an experience with God uh, right before uh, something we have in Trinidad, which is very popular, called Carnival. So uh, mm. his, his story is one where my mother had him uh, visit the church, the Carnival Sunday, which is the day right before Carnival Monday. That's when the celebration occurs, right? So he comes to this church service to, uh, to meet with her. And he has an experience with God where he gives his life to Jesus and accepts Jesus as his personal savior. And the trajectory of his life uh, transforms and changes from then. This is before they're married. They get married, they're Christians, and we are now going to church. Uh, I went to church and I would say my, I was rebellious come like the teenage years to Christianity some, at some level. I always had a relationship with God. I believe I hear the voice of God, right? Yeah. Directing me, uh, letting me know um, that he's there. I think one of the most interesting testimonies I have is that I have never felt as though God has left me. And that's been important. Like, it would bring tears to my eyes to think about not feeling the presence of God in my life, like feeling that it's something, it's like the wind. It's, you know, you feel it, but you can't touch it. And uh, to lose that, you know, that that definitely would be saddening. So my rebellious years went on, and uh, I remember uh, my my encounter with a guy called well hold on let's get into that because i want (laughs) to i want to talk about that i'm like a we can't just pass over all that so you grew up kind of feeling like you're just going to church and you were you're a believer did you have any kind of personal experience of god as a as a kid or do do you just always remember like that's just how it was i just always always knew god it was a personal experience um it felt so so the Pentecostals carry this Holy Spirit anointing experience that goes on, right? Very popular in the Caribbean. Okay. Yeah, I was curious about that. If there was a denominational background as well, I couldn't, I didn't know. Yeah, so there's a huge denominational background. So within the religion sector, sections, there's like Catholicism, uh, Pentecostals, Hindus, uh, because there's a East oh. Indian influence in my country. So huge East Indian 
there's a Syrian uh, influence as well, uh, Chinese, and but really the from for, all right from the races there's Africans, Indians, East Indians, and then you have like Chinese, Syrians, and you know that goes on. But within the religions you have uh, the denominations you have like Catholics, Pentecostals, Presbyterians, and there are other religions like universal churches that occur within that, right? But the associations that are huge are like the Pentecostal Association, the Presbyterians Association, and the Catholics Association. Gotcha. So that's there, yeah? And the religions, so the, the East Indians predominantly are Hindus. And that has been changing a bit where you have Hindus that are becoming um, Christians, and they are the Muslims as well. And it's, it's interesting because Trinidad is a melting pot. So within the religions, you'll have Christians attending Hindu uh, ceremonies. Mm. And it's, it's, like a, it's like, so I think we have, I think we're one of the countries that have the most holidays in the world, right? So each holiday is honored by everyone. So Christians will be at events that Hindus are having and vice versa. It's a really interesting experience. That is interesting. Uh, yeah, to see it. So, and this transcends food, uh, conversations, and yet there isn't a war based on <laughs> right. religion. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of places that's not possible. So there are other countries that have such kind of mixes, but they're fighting all the time. So interesting. Yeah. So like in my previous work where I was employed, there's a Muslim guy, Hindu guy, I'm the Christian guy, right? And there's one guy who is Christian who is married to a Muslim. <laughs> and the, so Eid, Eid comes around and they bring, there's, a, there's something they call sea wine, which is a drink they share for Eid. And they bring this huge pot of sea wine, and everyone's having sea wine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's how that goes. And you know, some visit his home, and it's it's really it's so. This as well speaks to Eric, uh, something that uh, heard uh, another professional in the oil industry explain, where a Trinidadian, specifically a Trinidadian, because of the culture they've grown in work well when they're international jobs and they need someone to keep the team together because they're different people within that job. The Trinidadian gets in there and he gets it because of, again, the influences of where he's lived, right? Or he or she has lived. Yeah. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Yeah. So that really drills deeply into our culture very very interesting so that helps me understand and i can see where for you doing your show you've like we said we you've talked to over 2000 almost it was like 2400 people you could and you make them all feel like they're the most important person for that 12 minutes right right and it's because i believe that right because it's really hard to act for 2400 conversations isn't it (laughs) (laughs) no doubt (laughs) I really believe it. I really believe that each individual, and it comes to the, the concept of your own unique real self, uh, can create a brand of your own unique real self. And your story is of value, uh, be it of what religion your story is of value. And if it wasn't and God didn't want it, he could stop it, right? And he will stop it if he needs to. But I believe uh, just the same way God has created humans and allow us to reside on this earth and listen, and he listens, that I can listen and respect without judgment what a person does and who they are. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. So that gives me a good insight, uh, gives us a good insight into kind of where you're coming from. So you but you were about to tell us kind of your own personal experience with the Lord in that kind of Pentecostal tradition? I think it was around the age of 14. At this time, uh, I was 
so marijuana was a drug. I think it was like 16. So marijuana is a drug I interacted with a lot uh, growing up. Again, it was like a family play thing within the children. My father doesn't smoke or drink, nor does my mother, uh, nor do my uncles. I think one does, though. But it's like it wasn't a thing that we could just learn from family members. Mm-hmm. Right? But it was a thing that was going on with uh young people in our generation and I began using marijuana and it was a fun thing like it started off being a fun thing like we would laugh uh, uncontrollably right Mm -hmm. when we did that and then it evolved into uh, this type of it's a me thing and this is who I am thing and then it started to impact me smoking marijuana started to impact the way I thought and the way I worked tremendously. And there was this encounter where I went to church. We were high. There were three of us, and we were high. And uh, the pastor pointed three of us out, called us up. And this guy was from Canada at the time, right? It's not like he knew us, right? Yeah. But, but I guess he did know us to some point, right? Like being able to like see these guys. But... I think he he was led by the anointing of God and he called us and we we went forward and he prayed for us. And I had an experience then. Uh, it's called the baptismal of tongues, right? Oh, yeah. Speaking in tongues. And that happened to me right at that moment. But the first time it happened, I always wanted that experience, you know, like I wondered about it. I was like, that will never happen to me when I saw it happen in church. But it happened then. Uh, it was it was a, it was something if I could explain to those listening to attempt to let you feel what I felt, I felt as though I was given a second chance to change. It felt as though because again now for those that are using cannabis or medical marijuana, uh, there are the benefits to that. <laughs> Please, like I'm not saying that it's a bad. <laughs> Thing, right yeah yeah what i'm saying especially up in colorado right colorado oh man thing right yeah what i'm what i'm stating is like the way we were using this and what we were using like it was the experience as a child is not one that i believe i needed to grow into what i could become it's not something i needed to do to become who i could become and that interaction with it is very dangerous. In fact, that interaction with anything where that is necessary for you to then be able to do what's unique to you and your strengths, that dependency is always something to reflect on and look over. So I went into that. And uh, at that point, I didn't feel as though it was something I wanted to do. There were times I would say, you know, this month I'll stop smoking. Uh, this month I'll stop smoking. And then a couple of weeks would pass and then the perfect scenario would present itself and I would start back. So I wasn't using this from a place of it's something that I want to do and I should be doing. I was using it from a place of I don't, I want to have control of my life. I don't want to have this thing control me. Is that okay? Is that clear? Okay. Oh yeah, I, totally. Right. So that point, the pastor called us and he prayed and again, that feeling and speaking tongues where I couldn't like control my tongue and I was speaking and that went on there. And that marked the point of me focusing, uh, continuing to focus my life on God, uh, intentionally uh, reading my Bible and calling myself a Jesus follower, that I would follow the steps of Jesus, not a specific religion, but that I would follow his steps. Yeah. So you you had this experience speaking in tongues and that really changed your life. Well, that wouldn't be a good summary. So that was the start. That was the start of it. I did smoke after that. You know, it, it happened where I think I lasted three months. And I remember one of my cousins like inviting me. It was his birthday. And we're sitting there and everyone's smoking. And they sit me strategically in a place where I'm passing the thing, right? So I'm <laughs> right. passing it, right? 
right? So it's passing right across my face. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I started again. Sure. Then that that went into a couple of a couple of months again. And then but again I eventually got out of it. Uh, I I stopped, you know, and uh, looking back I'm glad that I did. Uh, of course sometimes I wonder, you know, if as an old man would I pick this thing up again, right? Smoking because it feels great and it yeah it relaxes you. It it there's there many benefits. But again, my goal is that I am independent and that I remain in full control of who I am, uh, specifically for the things I want to achieve. So right now, that is not something I would want to have uh, a habit doing. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's uh, very, very open. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so is it, I'm assuming marijuana is legal there. It is not legal. Oh, it's not. Okay. All right. That's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another thing. So it isn't legal in Trinidad, which is a big thing, right? So I'm literally uh, committing a crime, right? Yeah. To the law. I mean, we could fight, right? And we did fight, right? For the conversation of it should be legal and whatnot. But (laughs) that's the other aspect of it. Like from an integrity perspective, I'm doing something that the law specifically says is illegal and you can be jailed. Uh, uh, for for a very good amount of time, you can be jailed. Uh, how do I help my children uh, obey the law? Right when I myself am not obeying the law. Yeah. Okay. So you eventually give that up. It sounds like that's good. And did I give that up? So was that just conviction? You just felt like the Lord is saying I should I should not do this. Yeah, it felt like conviction. Yeah, you're correct. It did feel like conviction. Yeah, big word. But yeah, it felt as though I should not be doing this thing for where my life is about to be taken. Yeah, gotcha. So how how did God interact with you through that? Because I think, so it sounds like the speaking in tongues was, was a moment. And then, you know, because here's the thing. You're not the first person to wrestle with something that you thought, I think this is wrong but I kind of like it. So what, you know, how, how do you interact with God through that? Cause I know that some of our listeners maybe have, have been through the other, maybe other things, right? People deal with this, all, all kinds of things. I think God interacts with me. Uh, and he did that by experiences. It's like storytelling again, isn't it? Where he yep. gives scenarios to allow you to make the decisions. And then when you do make the decisions, there are things that line up. And then you are like, oh, okay, that's what was going on there. Oh, that, oh, that's what was happening. And that happened in times like, so when I started to uh, walk with Christ a bit more, a bit more intentional, uh, what, went, what happened is a business opportunity occurred. So I always wanted to start my own business. Before that, I was running a computer repair business and uh, a business of uh, came up where a friend wanted to open a pool hall. But traditionally in Trinidad, when you think pool hall, I think in the world, right, true, though, until our recent laws with no smoking in pubs, right? But yeah. like, it, the, the thing is, when you associated pool with something, it was usually smoking and beers, right? Like, and alcohol, in right. our, specifically in our culture. So... But I loved playing pool. My father loved playing pool. Uh, and influence was a big thing. So what we did is this guy, he became a Christian as well. And he wanted to create a space for Christians to be able to play pool and not have to interact with smoking or drinking. And we built that business. That business was called the Upper Room Entertainment Center. And I think through that Again, because of my experience with the challenge I was having, understanding that providing a place for others who may have that challenge as well through influence, not because they decided it uh, right out, but through influence, that we were able to create this. And I say all of that to explain that I think that's the way God helps us. Mm-hmm. Like It's not like a do this thing in this one second and then it's all fixed. But through the process of providing help for others, we were able to see 
it's a real thing. Individuals that have the same challenge that I have. And now, as I'm helping others, I'm becoming strong, not just for myself, but for others as well. Because what I do will influence what others are doing that are following after and seeing what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. So that I I think that's completely true, and uh, I appreciate you sharing sharing that. So you were so you started this business. So then tell me about was there so was you as you were trying to um, as you were growing kind of your your walk with the Lord. What was that like? Because you had this kind of background of going to church every every week, right? Right. So you kind of already knew the things, but what was it like as you kind of as your walk got more personal, how did the, you know, the Lord seems to work with you in community, which is great, but what was, was there any moments or when you had a, an experience where somebody like said something to you and you're like, Oh, that's I actually think that's God saying that to me, not just this person. Yeah. So one of the things uh, I listened to a lot was what we call preaching, right? Like the word, right? Like here yeah. the gospel, and uh, I dug into that. I think music as well. Uh, so we call gospel music uh, any genre of music, but that has lyrics that contain uh, God or Jesus. We call it gospel, right? But the truth is, it's, it's yeah, different types of gospel music. There's reggae, uh, all genres, right? Uh, in Trinidad, mm-hmm. that worked as well. I think like listening through music. I think that was what uh, resonated with me, as well as uh, teaching of the gospel. So people that, there, so there's like the TDGs, which is cool, right? Uh, and then there were some other pastors that I was able to connect with and have great conversations on topics of the Bible. And uh, that as well helped tremendously with my walk with God. But you know what? I think the things that really zoned into what uh, helped us journaling. Mm. Every day, every day I would write three things and it would be like, thank you, Lord, for strength. Thank you, Lord, for my fingers. And thank you, Lord, for my eyes. And then speaking with God is something that I'm consistently doing, asking, asking for guidance and asking for strength. And again, being thankful so journaling and then writing and reflection in those journals, uh, how my day went. Those are the things that have been as small as it seems, right? Yeah. And I, I know many people speak about journaling from a non-Christian perspective, right? Just a scientific perspective of the value that goes with it. But that has helped me with uh, how I look to God uh, tremendously. And then divine connections, so it's something I would pray for, that I would have divine connections. And it's something that really has occurred when you look over my life. So mm. uh, the company that I was working for went into strike action. And it, it was supposed to be like one week, but it lasted three months. And I had some debt. And Amanda was working. At that time, she was a nurse. Well, she is a nurse, so I dare not say she was a nurse. But she was working with an institution at that time. And I was laying on the ground with my son, and it was I was at the bottom of 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 where I could be in life, I think. Mm. And I was lying there, and the TV was on randomly. So I think. No, I don't even say it was on randomly. With purpose, that TV was on, and it was this guy that came up, uh, uh, Rabbi Daniel Upping, being interviewed oh, yeah. by Benny Hinn, right? And the name <laughs> of the book. Hold on. The name of the, yeah. That's crazy. That's a crazy combination. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. The name of the book uh, Benny Hinn was interviewing him for was The Ten Commandments to Making Money. Yes. So my ears pooped, right? I was like, ooh, if there's any time I need help with making money, it's now, right? Yeah. And I listened to that interview, borrowed my sister's Kindle, bought the book, uh, uh, Thou Shall Prosper, read that book, and then saw the fundamental principles that God laid out for man and wealth and building legacy. 
but he didn't have the tools, right? He didn't have like the how to do it. He, he shared the laws of why we should do it, but not the tools. And at the end of the book, he said, well, and it always sounds like this voice to me when I was reading it. Hey, if you read this book and you're looking for the tools, then check out Dave Ramsey, the seven, uh, how, how does this book? No, the total money makeover, right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It always sounds like that voice when I, when I, when I, when I was reading it. But I got into that book and right there, again, divine connection. Right there, Dave laid out the seven baby steps. Uh, he laid it out from the biblical perspective, uh, really digging into Proverbs and many other parts of the Bible, but digging into the borrower's slave to the lender. That resonated tremendously with me. Mm-hmm. Again, God speaking through these guys, not just that one word, but that their life would line up with the words they spoke. So I got into that, and that in itself was the catalyst for everything that is the podcast and everything that is Angel Journey across uh, the 40th States and Canada. All of that was based on those divine connections that occurred from Rabbi Daniel Lappin to Dave Ramsey to... um, to so many others, uh, John Elridge, uh, Waking yeah. the Dead. Yeah, it, it just goes on to the content that I've been allowed, to the mastermind groups that I've been a part with, men who are believers and the way they teach and the way they interact with non-believers. All of that to now, I would say, has been the process of God speaking to me and with me and giving me that that pat on the shoulder that you are in the place you should be. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's a lot there, but that's really, really astounding. So you were, it sounds like you were really hungry for something to turn your life around or turn, kind of make some, make some money and you discovered it. I love how you put that as divine connections, right? God connects you with the teaching of Daniel Lappin and, um, you know, Dave Ramsey and gets you really, um, you know, really kind of set on on a new path. Yeah, it's right there in us, isn't it? Like, uh, yeah, it's it's not to say these things are so far. It's just sometimes we need just just one thing, one person to speak to us, to help us, to guide us to so much more. And you know, I'm really thankful for these guys who have really stepped out there and done business where they're helping others pursue excellence, where they're giving people hope, because. That's what I want to do now, right? That's that's the thing that has mm-hmm. been handed to me. Yes, you've been able to do what you've done now. Uh, how can you help others uh, pursue that as well? How can you help others achieve that? And I think that comes full circle into what we've seen with the 12 disciples, or sorry, with the disciples, right, in total, where the disciples of God, those that, were, that had direct interaction and those that were impacted by Jesus's ministry, were able to then go help others and and so doing created other ministries uh, and as valuable as the ministries are look at the value of each individual within any community that they exist and what they bring to the table and how they bring it with integrity well again the goal is to bring it with integrity of course we're humans and things happen right but yeah. the goal is to bring it with integrity and to bring uh, value and to share, to share without expecting in return, to give without expecting in return. Like all of these things are principles that we've learned from what we've learned from the stories of God. And we are attempting to do it. We don't always do it as Christians. Our stories aren't always great. But it's a different positioning when you are facing the direction of I want to help versus not facing it. I think it's a different. I think there's more hope for the person who is attempting to do it. Right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, sometimes action is the most important thing, right? In fact, usually action is the most important thing. Um, well, so Angel, how, like, so how did you? How did this lead you to your podcast? Because what you've done there is really truly remarkable. I mean, just thousands of conversations. Like, how was that inspired? One of the things I've found is that teaching individuals doesn't go well when you say you should do this. 
I've found that teaching individuals occurs a lot better when the person decides, I want to do this. How can I do it? So that has happened with me through conversations where I speak with amazing people. And to me, I mark them as amazing because they've done things that other individuals would see as impossible. And they've done it despite challenges. When I have a conversation with that person and they inspire me, that sits as part of my DNA now. I wanted to give people an insight to those conversations. Mm. And uh, it happened with me during conferences, like at 10 conferences, and you have a small window of time, right, to speak with someone. So, of course, you want to speak and you want to get out that thing that could bring the inspiration. How did you do this? Or what are your challenges? Uh, so I created the 12 Minute Convos podcast. I will tell you that those questions, I believe, was given to me uh, by God, right? Yeah. I went to my son's bedroom and I was sitting there and I prayed, I asked for questions and it was like a conversation mm. with what questions I would ask. And those questions have been asked to so many individuals and their interaction with it, despite the repetition, has been remarkable. And uh, that is how that went, where I wanted to allow individuals the insight to a conversation that will bring motivation and inspiration so that they will go and do, that they would go and do the thing that was core to them, understanding that there is value in what you are created to achieve. Because I believe that God has created us to achieve uh, our own unique thing, right? Uh, based on our story, based on our strengths. And you can reverse engineer or you can reflect and look back and see the the crumbs, if you would, uh, that will lead the little uh, the little indicators that this is what you were designed to do. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Those kind of things, um, like you said earlier, they're easy to see in hindsight. But um, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier how I spent tw- uh, ten years on the phones, right? <laughs> just being uh, just being a customer service rep and I can look back now and go, Hey, that prepared me for podcasting. Like almost nothing else would. Yeah. And I mean, look at, it's so great to have a conversation with you because of the way you're preparing uh, me to express myself. Uh, had you not had that customer service, uh, would you have been here? You know, would you right. have been able to serve, to show up the way you did on time? Uh, would would that have been possible? So it's really important, again, folks, uh, to, I think, get someone that has been through the journey to help you see things that you may not see as well. I think that's very important, uh, be it a mentor, be it a friend, uh, who is older than you, a coach. It's, it's very, very important, I've found, uh, to, to do that. Because sometimes we just don't see it, right? Like, it's it's right. challenging to see your own story sometimes. Yeah, well, sometimes you're right. We need somebody to come along and say, wait, do you know how incredible that is? Yes. <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's really unusual, what you're able to do there. And I, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, and just so your what is, do you have any you probably get asked this question all the time, but I'm going to ask it because I want I just want to know what have you learned through doing your podcast? And like, are there one or two principles you've taken away from it? My friend, my life has been transformed. One or two principles. My life has been transformed by the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, been I, trans- totally transformed, totally transformed. The ability to listen it has grown tremendously. The ability to uh, be patient has grown tremendously. Uh, I've grown in my order in terms of skills, in terms of keeping order with balance. Uh, I've grown in balancing my... Uh, both my personal and my business life. I've learned how to set goals efficiently and effectively. I've learned how to balance life from a mental, spiritual, career, physical, personal, financial, family uh, model, uh, thanks to Zig Ziglar with that. Mm -hmm. I've learned uh, 
kind of, I, like I could just keep going. I've learned uh, small things like how to drive across America. I've learned how to balance fuel while driving. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned, <laughs> I've, learned uh, I've learned more than anything else that there is hope for humanity and humanity is beautiful. Each individual mm. is indicating to, or they are intent, they are attempting for the most part to be someone good. There is that. Now, there are some people that, you know, they're really, their brand is really bad, right? Like, oh my, like they're doing crazy things, right? But I will say that I found even within that person, there is a light. There is a light. And uh, to have seen that through the conversations I've had, because I'm having a conversation for 12 minutes. I do not know what the person does after that. Right. Uh, but within that time that I'm with that person, it really is a grand opportunity to have had the opportunity, to have the chance to share that light of that person. Yeah, I think that's absolutely tremendous. I find that as well, you know, so I haven't had even like a 20th of the conversations you've had, but uh, just being able to hear somebody share their story or share a little bit of it uh, is a tremendous privilege. Um, and you can't help but walk away from that changed, right? So I can't imagine how changed you've been over uh, 2,000 plus conversations. Yeah. And again, it has changed my family. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, my sons are better for it. My wife, oh my, has transformed her life. Mm. Uh, we've been married for 12 years. We've been together for like 19. But looking back at how the podcast has impacted us and, you know, like, yeah, like to see what we've been able to accomplish. And she's a Christian as well. So we're both Christians and it's, it's, I'm really thankful to God for, for giving me this opportunity in life to, to be able to fulfill this purpose, uh, mm. to, to share unique narratives and to foster limited networks, to build bridges through meaningful conversations. I, I'm humbled by it. I'm humbled by the opportunity. And, you know, I just want to continue doing that. So uh, my prayer is that I remain humble and that uh, I remain focused because mm. there's one life, yeah? And I'm yeah. almost halfway there, right? Well, I think I'm like, I'll be, I'm, I'll be like 36 at the time of this recording, right? <laughs> Okay, yeah. So... Well, you never know, but I guess part of my point is we're always going to be growing. You can't exhaust the knowledge of an infant God. So we, we will always be growing regardless of whether we're now or in eternity. I love it. I love that. Um, So one, one last thing I want to ask you about, because you also set these tremendous goals and maybe this came from Zig Ziglar or some of the other people you mentioned, but like, where does that drive come from for you? Well, I am, I'm testing God, though. I'm like, all right. <laughs> it's, I'm sure I cannot do this, right? Like, the only way this could be done is if you show your face to be true, right? So that's where that comes from. Like, hey, there's, hey, folks, for you that are listening, there's no way I could have done what I, what I did without God. Uh, that is in concrete. <laughs> I could not do it. Uh, and I've, I've, like, I've mapped these things, you know. I've, I've done planning from the perspective of, okay, if I do this amount per day, then it works. And it didn't work that way. <laughs> uh, the reality of it was always a, a different uh, model. Like, if I go into the statistics part, it probably will bring sense to what I'm talking about. But the first year that I had a 1,001 conversations, like, I didn't have, like, every month have 333 conversations. It yeah. didn't work like that. Like, right. I had like just a couple in the first month and then just a couple in the second month and then like almost 700 in the third month. And the way those connections happened, like I'm still trying to catch up <laughs> with, with what happened there yeah. to connect it, to show the world what's really happening. So for me, God is the anchor and the core and the director and the guide and 
guidance of everything that you're seeing. So I set these goals and I'm like, all right, let's see what you can do here. And I'll show up. I'll show up mm. uh, for the most part. I'll show up, but definitely, Eric, it's, it's all God in those stories. It's so, so powerful because a lot of times just that willingness to show up is what it's all about, right? If you show up, sometimes God shows up and that's... Um, that is super powerful. All right. Angel, well, I wanted to ask you about that because I really think um, that your ability to say, I'm going to do a, a thousand and one 12 minute conversations. I mean, that's just, nobody does that, right? Because it seems hard and uh, you did it multiple times and you said, Hey, I'm going to drive across the entire con- <laughs> continent of North America. And uh, let's just, let's just put something in, in, in history correctly though, with that. So yeah. when, folks, for those, for those listening, when I set out to have uh, my first goal, it was actually 1,585 conversations I set out for. And I got to 76 in the first nine months. And <laughs> like, I was about to give up. And I was literally at an event uh, by a guy called Dan Miller, who does something called Coaching with Excellence in Tennessee. And I felt like there was this lightning bolt and a song that came through that you need to do this. You need to do what you said you were going to do. And at that point, uh, having nine months, 76 conversations, I decided to have 1,509. So my goal at that time was to have 1,509 conversations in three months, yeah. and, uh, which was September, October, November, because December is Christmas. I was like, it'll be crazy. Oh, I couldn't podcast then, right? Mm-hmm. And that went into that goal. No, I didn't get 1,509. And I wanted to just share this, Eric, because it's so important to understand that sometimes we do set the big goal and we don't get it because there were so many other things that I did get. And it's important. It's very important to 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 categorize that yes you're setting the goal the human me sets the goal right but then the spiritual side of this had so many things to learn that i that was required before i went for bigger i just wanted to put that in there yeah well that's part of the point right is that you can setting the goal is an important um piece but then committing to the goal is the next most important piece Right. You commit to it and you go. And the reality is you never actually um, meet a goal without opposition of some sort. Right. Or without obstacle. You always have to overcome something. And so for you, you had to keep finding people and keep connecting with people and you become this master networker. Um, and you're, you're even just in the last couple of weeks, you're sending me people, right? You say, Hey, you guys should know each other. And, uh, that's awesome. Let's look at it, though. Like, understand that setting 1,585 is a big number. I didn't get it. But how dare you not be thankful for a 1,001 conversation? Right. Yeah? <laughs> so, yeah, setting the big goal is great. You know, shoot for the moon. You'll land on the stars. Possibly. Right. And uh, understanding that because there's a lot that can go on with goal setting. I've found uh, you can be depressed uh, from setting big goals and not getting to it. So it's important to, to reflect daily on what you are getting from this. And I think in life, uh, with God in our lives, it's important as well. So that's why thank you for my knees is important because you see someone without legs and you and then you you it, then you remember right like oh my it could have it could have been worse so. Gratitude. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Angel, is there anything else that you want to share with us and just uh, maybe leave us with? Each person can create a brand of your own unique real self. It's an acronym for yours. Uh, ask yourself the questions. You don't need to come onto the podcast to ask yourself the question. The question you can listen to our conversation and then take the questions and ask them to yourself. I mean, and within those questions, you will find an answer, possibly something that you do well, something that you do great, that you looked over, something that people love you for. And then set a goal where you do it multiple times with the concept of, let me see what I will uh, encounter. Not that, let me see how much money I will make. Let me see mm. how many followers I will get. Just that you are doing that in this lifetime for your own experience to test it, to see 
how great that part of you uh, could be. And then after that, take the next step. Awesome. I love that. Sometimes that next step leads you to places you couldn't have even imagined. And that's the beauty. Angel, thank you so much for sharing your story with us all the way from Trinidad. And uh, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing. And I love this, man. The power of community is really present in your life. And uh, thanks, brother. You are welcome. Thanks for having me on. Again, it was a great pleasure, Eric. Look forward to meeting you in my class. Okay. Can't wait. <laughs>